everybody, and welcome to the Fortress Comic News, episode 242. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside the once again returning co-host, Mike. Yes, I'm back. It's time for the unforeseeable future. Um, yeah, I, uh, I hope you ate a lot of turkey and stuffing and all that good shit. Yeah, my my Thanksgiving. So, it, to everybody in the states, uh, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. To everyone out of the states, you have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah kind of maybe. But my Thanksgiving day was filled with uh, eating, driving, and binging TV shows that we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, uh, my sister and I found ourselves sitting on the couch for a solid like two days, and a lot of stuff was watched. Um, I mean, we got so much shit to talk about that we watched. I'll probably just jump into it. Uh, have you watched any Cowboy Bebop yet? No. Um, so that one I was holding off on. You've, you've watched the anime, right? I have not. Okay. I've seen the anime. I love the show. Uh, if you go on the subreddit, because that's where, you know, all the crazy diehard fans of the anime are. Uh, they, I think most of them hate the show or... They don't hate the show. The reasons are just like, oh, this character um, specifically, oh, I can't even think of her name, but the the female lead, they're like, oh, she's uh, she's not the, the character that she was um, in the show. She's more of like a bounty hunter. But I thought I thought all the characters are awesome. Um, I think it holds up. I, I my sister really liked it. She's never watched the anime. So it's. It's shot just like the anime with the crazy camera angles. It has that vibe to it of like it's futuristic, but you it's old school, you know, like the cops dress like like their background guys in Batman in the animated series. You know, the timeless, the timeless yeah. futuristic vibe. So you'll love it. Um and every every episode's like a villain of the week kind of thing with this overarching plot. The only gripe I have with the show is the main villain. Um Man, I'm just blanking on everybody's names. Uh, <laughs> the main... So, you know, the premise is like, he used to be an assassin. He's now a bounty hunter. Um, he doesn't want to tell the bounty hunters he's with that he used to be part of this uh, assassin guild. Well, you can't just leave the assassin guild. They're going to come to kill you. And the main guy, he looks like Lord Farquaad from uh, from <laughs> Shrek. I kid you not, like his chin... And I'll send you a picture after the show, but like his chin and everything, like every time he gets mad and stuff, he looks like a live action, like animated Disney prince. I don't know how else to say it. Like his chin is just like more than half his face. And it's kind of hilarious. And that's, that's all awesome. people are saying on the subreddit is like, yeah, Lord Farquaad, Lord Far like I can't unsee it. Um, so when you start watching it, you'll text me. But I I loved it. I, I really loved it. I can't wait for season two. Um the music is amazing. I mean, it's the same music from the anime. So, uh, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise because we we all know how they butchered live action anime stuff. So, yeah, I, I feel like watching the the community people wanted this to be bad. It wasn't oh, even yeah. that, like whether it was right. or it wasn't. They just wanted it to be for some reason. Yeah, so. I I feel like the anime people just don't want live action where it's like I don't know. I really I really enjoyed it. Um, my feeling thought, is, yeah. is if it's good and then somebody's like, hey, I should go watch the anime this is based on, that's a mm -hmm. win. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and also, John Cho, who plays Spike Spiegel, the main character, is, you know, uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Is absolutely awesome in it. He's so good. 
He's like the reason I want to watch it. Yeah, he's so good in it. Um, the guy who plays Jet Black, uh, Mustafa, he's been in a bunch of random stuff, but he's really good um, as as Jet Black because he has like the same voice, like the loud, obnoxious, like retired cop. I, I he him him and Spike together and John Cho together are so good. Um, they really make the show, and that's mostly what the show is. So, um. Okay, Hawkeye talk. First two episodes of Hawkeye, you watched them? Yes. Uh, so, out of those first two episodes, the intro was sick, where you didn't know where it was going with, uh, what the hell's her name? Um, the character. Uh, Kate, is it Katie? Kate, uh, oh, Kate, yeah, Kate Bishop, yeah, yeah. Kate Bishop, yep. And the the first thing is like, well, how does this all tie together? Oh, shit, her, her dad dies. <laughs> in the New York, uh, the New York fighting. And then she happens to see Hawkeye through like her destroyed high rise apartment. Um, I thought that was a cool way to kind of, you know, shoehorn her into the, she's one, one dead mom away from being Batman. Yeah. Pretty. (laughs) Uh, other than that, I thought it was a cool way how to, uh, tie them together. I mean, obviously her, her soon to be stepdad is evil. (laughs) Like the mustache alone gives. Yeah, him you just meet the guy. You're like, like this dude. He dresses like in all black. He's got like a mysterious uh, Spanish accent. Like he's the villain. Yeah, he, <laughs> like, he, all he needs to do is twirl that thing, and, and yeah. it's it's over. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then yeah, the sword fighting thing. I'm like, he loves swords. I mean, come on, like, all where are all these red flags, people? Um, I thought it was a cool way to bring them together, where she like steals the suit, and uh goes around like has one night in it where everybody thinks that Hawkeye or uh, the assassin is back. Um, Ronan, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think over on the, the Christmas theme is, you know, it's got a nice feel good vibe for this time of year. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the LARPing scene. Yeah. I didn't really care for that. I mean, but I'll ho- like, I was trying to figure out like, how do you build drama? Like, why would a firefighter steal the suit? You know? Yeah. And I don't know how they got to that point, like in the writer's room where they're like, what if one of the firefighters is a LARPer? I don't know many firefighters that are LARPers, let alone in New York City, where there's no areas to LARP. <laughs> where apparently they all are LARPers. Yeah. Because they even said, like, it's all yeah. cops and firefighters here. Yeah. Like, what? That's a, that, that was a little far-fetched in our comic book show. Yeah. <laughs> uh I need some more realism in my comics. Yeah. No, the uh, the demigod that flies down the lightning bolt, that's that's fine. But when a cop starts LARPing, it's too much, man. Listen, you guys got to bring it down to reality. So the physics behind Thor is just dead on. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> no, I I think it's not my favorite Marvel thing. It's not even my favorite Marvel TV thing, but mm-hmm. it was good. Yeah. And no, it was I, good. I'll keep watching it. I want to see what episode three brings because... I, listen, bringing the tracksuit mafia in was hilarious. I yeah, that it. was really funny. Yeah, um, but episode three needs to give me a villain. It needs to mm-hmm. give me like who's the overarching like threat to this whole thing. And I need some costumes pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, don't don't make me wait till like episode seven out of eight to give me a costume. Although to be fair, when Kate shows up in like the purple yeah. costume kind of thing, which uh-huh. was pretty close to the comics, yeah, um, I was excited i'm like she looks phenomenal yeah, that, yeah so she's pretty good the girl that plays her um, yeah i like her there's moments where i think she's 
and that might be the character, but she seems a little naive at moments. But mm-hmm. overall, I really like her. Yeah. And I just um, want the dad to like rip the mask off and reveal that he's Red Skull because is that what you want? Like, <laughs> like I just need something. I need some, yeah. I need some sort of like actual villain to see what's going on here. He's actually Bullseye. Oh, don't tease me. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, first couple episodes are what? Do you know when each episode comes out? Is it Wednesdays or? I think it's Wednesdays. Okay, I got to keep track of this shit because like. Disney Plus is Wednesdays. Curb Your Enthusiasm is Sundays at like 10.30 p.m. Yeah, dude, and soon it's going to be... Soon just Disney Plus is going to be awful because uh, I think Mandalorian's soon. Mm -hmm. And then Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And then like, oh, it's just going to be a disaster. I think Stranger Things is coming out soon. I think... uh, Apparently there's a Home Alone TV show. I didn't even know that was a thing. I know there's a new movie on Disney Plus. There's a new Home Alone movie. Oh, is it a movie? Don't watch it. I, d- I won't. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I was There's, much happier not knowing it existed. Yeah, and just watching the original Home Alone because it's, it's gold. Like, what the hell? Um, you can't replace Joe Pesci. Uh, he Man, uh, the part two, five episodes, fucking awesome. Uh, I saw your tweet about Fist Fist Star wanting to fist, talking about fisting Skeletor. Yeah, that happens, and like. That that was the moment where it was like, tell me Kevin Smith wrote this script without, you know, showing me the credits. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no goddamn way. Like, even, I don't think he wrote that episode, but there's yeah. no way that he wasn't, like, at some point, Fistar was going to fist someone. And then like, he, yeah, and then he had the guy with the spring, the spring legs show up, right, the Nick and Ty, I, he, he definitely sprinkled those characters. And then the end of the season, that was pretty cool with, uh, um, the, like, the techno guys. And I didn't know who that picture of was where Skeletor goes to that like giant techno thing mm-hmm. and it shows a picture of like a giant like bat symbol. I don't know what what monster that represents. I I so, think, yeah, I'm not a huge He-Man like wiki page, but. Uh, yeah, like this is one of the f- few He-Man things I've watched, so I have no yeah. clue. But it was awesome. I just love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, another uh, fun moment was when uh, Skeletor just became the spot and started like making these yeah, portals making everywhere. The portals for uh, for He Man to jump through. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool. I like the I like how the they have a new uh, Man at Arms character. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought the whole it was a fun five episodes. Yeah, it there was moments in it that got very emotional too. Like mm-hmm. it was weird that I'm like I'm watching a He-Man cartoon. And I'm like <laughs> getting emotional. I'm getting choked up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say this. I, I'm not gonna go back and watch old He-Man or anything like that. But right, like, right. I would consider myself a He-Man fan now because of the show. Oh yeah. yeah. It the second like as much as I enjoyed the first part, the second part is so much better. Yeah, because you got He-Man. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's part of it. Saying, but, yeah, but, like it's just it's it's written better it's just so mm-hmm. much everything about it is better and um i hope they do more i hope they continue with this yeah. story arc like and keep moving forward because it was just awesome mm-hmm. yeah i no, i really liked it um yeah i think you and i are the only ones watching it though i can't get anybody else to watch he man uh i've movies, been trying because yeah. it's it's just everybody out there if you're not even if you're not a he-man fan i'm not a he-man fan the only he-man thing i've read or I tried watching the cartoon and I couldn't. Yeah. I've read like DC versus He-Man mm-hmm. and then Injustice versus He-Man. And that's it. Yep. 
and I this is one of my favorite things. It's mm-hmm. gonna be on my top of the list when we get to it at the end of the year. Nice, nice. So yeah, that's what I want to hear. Uh, movies. I read a couple movies that you, I watched. Read a couple. I watched a couple movies that you haven't watched yet. Um, uh, Spectre, uh, the final Bond movie. Uh, oh, um, that's, that's not Spectre. That's not Spectre. That's the last one. Time to time to kill. Time to die. No time to die. Yes, no time to yeah. die. Oh my god. Um, it was good. It's long. It's almost three hours long. Uh, so they do all the Bond things. You know the all the little like nods to the original movies. This one feels more like a classic movie than any of the other ones did. Good. I mean, Casino Royale is pretty close there, but there's a lot of action in Casino Royale. Uh, this really, I think it ties up everything. Um, it was a nice send off for, uh, for Daniel Craig. And that's all I'll tell you. Cause I'm not going to spoil any of the movie for you. You haven't seen it yet. I know you're a big James Bond fan, but, uh, I think as far as James Bond films go at the new series, I mean, Casino Royale will always be my number one. Uh, this one probably is second. Cause I think it was like Skyfall would have been my second, but I think Skyfall is probably third now. And this takes the place. Spectre was okay. Uh, we don't talk about uh, Solstice one. Oh yeah. Quantum of Sol. Quantum Sol- Solace, or whatever the hell that Quantum was. Quantum of Solace, yeah. Yeah. Spectre God. is the one that everybody I talked to was like, this is the greatest Bond movie ever. And I always challenge them, like, you haven't watched enough Bond. Because yeah, that, that's a yeah. good movie, don't get me wrong. But right. that is nowhere near the Spectre's best just a spe- Spectre's just an action. Spectre is like the Mission Impossible action movie <laughs> yeah, of like, the James Bond series. It's um, a good movie, but it's just not what, it's not what Bond should be, in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, and yeah, I think I thought I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I also watched Black Friday with Bruce Campbell. Um, that's where he plays the department store manager, and all the all the like uh, all all the customers. This is a low budget film. Like the monsters are like super cheesy. At the end, they like morph together to like this giant Godzilla, and you could tell it's just like someone's hand cam of a person like in a rubber costume. Um, but overall, it was enjoyable. I liked it. I mean, if you like Bruce Campbell, you like Evil Dead, you'll love this. It's a B-horror movie is what it is. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Where was that streaming? Uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Because it's like supposed to be before it hits theaters. So I think it was like five bucks to rent it or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Amazon makes things easy. Because I, I wasn't about to find it somewhere. And I think it's it comes out to theaters after. But it was, it was pre-released on Amazon Prime. Uh... New Spider-Man trailer. Yes. Were there? Uh, there. I, I. I guess we haven't talked about this yet. Um, were there clearly editing out other Spider-Man in the trailer? <laughs> They're like, our fans are dumb. Nobody will notice this. No, there's there's definitely villains in the trailer punching at air. Um, so the question is, we don't know which Spider-Man it is. Okay, whether it's. I mean, we know the villains are there, right? They give us the whole plot. We, I don't think we needed to know the whole plot in this trailer. Like, we knew the villains were back. You didn't need to explain it why. Like, I think it's cool. I wish they saved that for the movie. You know, like, oh, all these villains are dead. And they need to stay dead for continuity purposes. Mm-hmm. And also liability purposes for Marvel and Sony. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the trailer's awesome. We get Electro back with a new suit. More true to the comics. So let's start there. Yeah. Um, 
Even in this world that we live in, where Baron <laughs> Zemo has the purple mask and dance in the fucking uh, bar, yeah, I would have bet you any amount of money you would never see the Electro, anything costume. close to the Electro yeah. costume. Yeah, it was there for sure. And when he, when he like electrified and the mask came up, yeah. I almost squealed. I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me! <laughs> <laughs> they did it! <laughs> beautiful bastards!" <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think they're obviously editing out Venom. Venom? I, oh, I didn't think about that. I think that because there's only we only know five villains. Um, and apparently Venom doesn't die though. Oh, does he die? Well, we only know okay. five villains, and to my knowledge, because I've been told the second hand, I haven't watched it yet. But at the end of Let There Be Carnage, um, Tom Holland shows up, so they're bringing oh. Venom into the tom holland thing oh uh, okay um and i think that the other i i think that everybody's off everybody's wrong except for me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i think that the other spider-man's miles yeah no that's what i was getting at it could either be miles right or it could be it could be like andrew garfield or whatever but i doubt they want to come back i think everybody's talking about garfield and toby um it would be cool yeah, if they came back, and I, ho- I kind of hope in my heart that that's what it is. Like the three Spider Men have to team up. I just, I don't know, I don't know, and I think it makes more sense for Marvel to do Miles next, mm-hmm. and then kind of let Sony have um, uh, Holland to do yeah. what they want with. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, but yeah, I. I I loved everything I saw in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and and once again, the true villain of the MCU is still <laughs> Iron Man. Yep. Um, because Electro has a um, the thing on Tony's chest oh, to help his yeah. electricity. Yeah. Uh, if you notice the uh, the tentacles for Doctor Octopus, Stark are, Industries. Yeah, Stark Industries. Yeah. So Tony is still the villain of the MCU. Will continue yeah. to be the villain of the MCU. Yep. And yep. this world would be better without Iron Man. Yeah, for sure. I agree. <laughs> well, that's that's the real problem. Um, the I was not expecting this to come out. Uh, the Super Pets trailer. We've been hearing about this a lot. Um, first off, John Krasinski uh, voicing Superman is awesome. Yes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think like he would nail it like that, but it like. It's not. It's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, "Yeah, that could work." Um, kind of like when Jensen Ackles they got him to do Batman. Um, you're like, "Yeah, he kind of sounds like Batman." Well, John Krasinski sounds like I. He fits Superman for this movie for sure. Um, and then the Rock, the Rock voicing Crypto. It's just so phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I. So when we first heard Super Pets, I thought we were getting all the you know like Bat Cow and all the. This is just you know, crypto and then a bunch of no name animals getting powers. But maybe they'll take up their titles by the end of the movie. Well, I think right? the hound is supposed to be Ace the Bat Hound. Okay. Voiced by Kevin Hart, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's yeah, that was really good. The hound is really good. I don't know about the other ones. The <laughs> my the only gripe about this thing is did you see the redesign? I believe it's in the trailer of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And like Batman's like short and fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of, I mean, I get, I get it's a cartoon. It's gotta be funny. I, we're going to watch uh, it either way. 
Um, I, I bet you they show up for five minutes and then we move on to crypto. Yeah, it's not going to bother me that much, but it's right, like, I'm right. like, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why would you not make Batman jacked? Um, I do enjoy that Cyborg has an afro, though. Mm-hmm. That made yep. me laugh. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I'm rewatching it right now to see who all gets the. So there's the pig, the bat there's hound, a, there's, there's a, a turtle, squirrel. right? Isn't there a turtle? I'm not seeing a turtle yet. Oh, because I figure like the turtle would have something to do with Flash. Oh, there is a turtle. Okay. So yeah, so <laughs> yeah, because the turtle's really fast, which is yeah hilarious on its own. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, so I'm excited for this. I'm, mm. I'm gonna watch it either way. Like. Yeah. Um, my I have a rule in life that's basically if Kevin Hart does it, I watch it. So, oh really? The See, fact I've never that he's been a it. huge fan of Kevin Hart. I love so I love Kevin Hart his his work. Like, yeah. I enjoy him. I just also love the person. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's an extremely unique individual in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just like his his ethics, his work ethic, his everything about him. Mm-hmm. So. I'll, I'll support that man to the end of the Yeah, him and, him and The Rock seem to team up quite a bit. Yeah, they're good buddies. Um, kind of crazy that we see The Rock hitting the DC Universe as crypto before he gets black at him. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably the better role. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, this is awesome. I mean, either way, I'm excited uh, about it. And I think we've known about it for ever since we talked to... Um, oh, who did we... We had... Uh, I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of it. Yeah. Um, But either way, uh, super excited for this. I'll watch anything with The Rock. And uh, yeah, I think with that, you want to jump to our awesome interview we have today with Mr. Elton Simpson? Yeah, let's do it. All right, everybody, we got another very special guest for you all. I want everybody to welcome to the show Elton Simpson. Welcome, Al. Hey guys! Hey, thanks for being here, man. Thanks. Um, thanks for putting up your nice displays for us. This is pretty I awesome. Try. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know how many how many cons you've been going to. Uh, you, pro- you probably haven't got to use those at any cons this year, huh? So you yeah, that's what I was going to say. We're yeah. so long between cons. I did a con in 2019, and then I think I did I did Trenton Punk Rock um flea market which everybody told me they're like they're gonna love your vampire stuff you got to do it yeah i did that early i did that in the spring and then i did uh baltimore comic-con uh-huh. and then i did a new one called super jersey comic expo which was uh-huh. the first time that was north of me here in Jersey. i haven't heard of that one i know it's brand new it, it yeah. went really well went oh okay well. good and then um i did new jersey horror con because and film festival because those guys saw me at Garden State before they did the horror con three years ago, and they saw mm-hmm. vampires. They go, "You got to do our con." Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, well, there, and I do. I've done films too. Mm-hmm. This, this is a script, so it kind of works in with everything I'm doing. And oh, actually, met awesome. some guys. I'll talk to you about stuff I'm going to film next year. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I, before we get into all that, let's let's hear your origin story, Al. You know what got you? I you said you wrote some scripts, so. Um, Obviously, you're into writing other than comics. So wh- wh- how did you get to comics? Where did it all start for you? Well, comics um, are kind of insane in a way because I'm I'm an original old school guy from the 70s. So I freaked out when a kid gave me an Avengers comic book in like 1974. And he was like, dude, there's Captain America. There's Iron Man. There's, yep, you won't yep. believe everybody's in one book. Mm-hmm. So my first con was probably 78. Um, and I was the guy sitting there going, dude, you think chicks will ever come to this? 
And everybody's like, my folks will never come. <laughs> never, never. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm living in the future where cosplay chicks are everywhere. Yeah, I have a right. Where Nicole, who's huge, cosplay. Yep. You know, it's it's the world we dreamed about. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys are here to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was rough. You, yeah. you know, you mentioned you collect comics. You were getting depantsed or wedged or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but um, so that was my first experience uh, with comics. Um, I, you know, I've always loved them. I'm not a DC or Marvel fan. I'm both. You know, I like a good story. I like fantastic art. Um, yep. So so then I went to college and, of course, discovered beer and girls. And then As I came one does. college and had to work. And I kind of, you know, got out of comics in general. I, j- I jumped back in in the 90s with all that crazy boom where they were doing like 22 different variant covers of everything mm-hmm. and all that. Yep, yep. That was fun. But that, you know, that had to bust too because people can't afford to do that every week. So then um, I guess in 2004, I started a media company and I did commercials. Um, I did commercials on Comcast. I did short films. I did the 48 hour film festival in Manhattan and in Philadelphia. And we won some awards and that was fun because I was working with my family and my friends. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, with comics, I was working on, literally, I was working on my doctorate, um, I guess about seven or eight years ago. And for that, you write like 200 pages, you give it to your committee and they go, dude, you suck. You throw it all (laughs) out. You go back and you start writing again. Of course, I was frustrated. So at that point, I had done... Uh, the short films, I did a full-length film, Who is Jose Locke? It was in the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. Okay. It also streamed on Amazon uh, for the first couple of years when Amazon needed independent stuff before they mm-hmm. bought MGM. Yep. So I was like, I want to write something. You know, you know, when you do any movies, you write very small. I mean, if I was writing a movie for the three of us, I'm like, well, you know, you do this, I do that, and then this happens. There's no like giant car crash like the A-Team or anything. Cause right, right, right. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to write a script of a movie or a TV series, you know, streaming series I want to see. And when I did the Who is Jose Luck, one of the guys on the set walked on the set, and he's like, dude, have you seen um, True Blood? And I'm like, no, no, no. He goes, oh, it's crazy. It's like sex and violence. It's always, oh, you got to see it. I never saw it the whole time it was on. After it was over, somebody gave me the DVDs and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, well, this is all very Southern Gothic and very cool. It's very, you know, ball tall and very Louisiana or wherever down there. And I said, what if these guys showed up in Jersey? So that was the impetus for Vampires in New Jersey. It was Vampires versus the Mob, like True Blood versus Sopranos. Oh, okay. So I wrote that script and it kind of freed me up in a way. And then I thought, well, you know, I'll block the scenes by using an artist. You know, that way, if I pitch it, you have it already blocked out, which is what film companies love because it's already spec. And um, my wife's like, look, if you're going to do a comic book, don't do a sucky comic book. All right. And she doesn't read comics at all, but she's like, do great art. So I posted on Upwork for an artist and I I lucked out. I got um, Mahathir Buang, who actually drew Silver Surfer for Marvel when they rebooted it in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a big artist he was. I think he drew Walking Dead for like a month too. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how big he was, but my wife's like, the art's great. So he did the layouts for the first three issues for vampires. And I got another artist who actually works for the Mouse House. I'm his side chick or his side (laughs) gig. He's not doing that. You know, he does Vampires in New Jersey, Connor Cole. And, um, you know, I had a comic. 
So I'm like, wow, it looks great. What do I do with this? So I go to my local store, Ron's Comics World. Let me get it right. Ron's Comic World in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Okay. And it's my store I've been going to for years. And I'm like, Ron, what do you think? And he's like, the paper's good. I'll stick it in the window and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the next day, my buddy texts me. He's like, dude, I went to get your comic. I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's sold out. That's awesome. So that was so cool. about five years ago. Wow. Um, from there, I went to other stores. Um, I did cons. Um, you know, it was a slow build because nobody knows who you are and you have one book. Right. And you're happy to sell that. You know, every store is different. You know, some stores are consignments. Some stores will pay you up front. So, you know, unless you're distributed through Diamond, you had to literally cut a deal with every store. Right. I ended right. up in 25 stores. Uh, a lot of people would buy it at, at cons and then go home and say, dude, just put it in my local store so I can just go get it. Right. You know? Right. Or I don't have yeah. to track you down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the guys was like, I go, okay, where's your local store? He's like, Jay and Silent Bob's. Uh-huh. So I'm driving up there with my wife and my 13-year-old. Yeah. And I'm looking at her and I go, isn't that like Kevin Smith's store? And she's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Just go up there. Yeah. And I got rid of cable and started streaming before comic book men. Right. Came on, okay. But I knew it was a famous store. Right, right. And I go in, I meet Mike Zabchig. He looks at me, he looks at the books. He's like, dude, Kevin loves indie people. We're going to put you right up front. So they put me in. That's so him. cool. And even my 13-year-old, you know, he's looking at me. Well, I guess he was probably 10 then. He's looking at me. He's like, dude, I, I figured they were going to say no. Like, yeah. he was like, he's like, I, I, I'm shocked your book's yeah. in the That's so awesome. So, I don't have barcodes or anything. So, yeah. you know, I go home. I wait a month. I call Mike back. Mike, I just wanted to touch base, you know. You don't want to yeah. piss anybody off. You're all, right. you know. Right. He's like, dude, your book's sold out. <laughs> that was like three years ago. Yeah. So all my issues, I'm up to issue eight now. I okay. think the first issue sold out there uh, six times. Wow. Since I've been doing it. And Kevin Smith was there last uh, spring because they, they moved the store. It's it's like right around the corner from the other store. Oh, it's okay. in the same block. So I mean, yep. it's easy yeah. to find. They, mm-hmm. they, they need a bigger space. Yep. So I went up, you know, just to thank them. I didn't go for any reason. I said, well, you know, the dude put my book right next to Marvel in DC. Usually when you're in stores, they go, oh, you're going to the indie section. The indie section, like, yeah. You know, of course. You're, yeah. you're over there in that weird indie section where all yeah. the weird characters and people. Yeah. Do. They stuck me right up there and I, I and, you know, and I can compete. So I was like, cool. Yeah. So I went up and he actually is working with a guy that I work with on Jose Luck, which is crazy. Okay. You guys watch any Kevin Smith stuff and there's any uh, stop motion animation. My buddy, Joe Griffo from Philly, uh, met Kevin. Kevin hired him on the spot when he heard he did stop motion. He does stop motion graphics. I think he did on the Jay and Silent Bob, the recent movie. And then he's yep. working with him on, on new stuff too. That's cool. So I'm like, Kev, I hired Joe Griffo 10 years ago. And he looks at me. We're taking a picture, literally me, him, and Jay in yeah. front of the store. Because they have a mock-up of the actual clerk store. Oh, okay. Yeah. In, in the middle of the picture, he goes, you know Joe Griffo? I go, yeah, Joe's cool. He goes, I love Joe. I go, Dude, I work with him. I go, Kev, I'm only here because my comic sold out here. He's like, are you serious? So he comes yeah. over. We start talking. He's telling me, you know, I gave him a, the graphic novel because I've done so many. Right. You know, I finally have a book book. Okay. And he's looking at it and he's like, oh, my God, the art and all this. And I'm like, Kev, I only came to say thanks because I, I do film. I've done film in the past and I do a lot of New Jersey events. And I go on these panels, and look out, and I see a film, uh, not a, a, a ton of people out in front of me, a sea of people right. who were inspired by you. 
Nobody thought they could do a film until they right. heard this kid from New Jersey yeah. borrowed a dollar here, used his parents' credit card, you right. know, bribed him and did you know, he did everything he could and he made a movie, it got to Sundance and he got a deal. Right. Said, Nobody exactly. believed that was possible. Right. He did it. And he, you know, he literally started breaking into tears. And then I yeah. started breaking into tears and he hugged me and all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I've been lucky. I know I've been lucky. You know, I I, I work hard to make a good product and I try and do right by everybody. Yeah. And I just try and get it out there. But once it gets out there and people read it, the first issue, they're like, oh, this is great. I want more. And that's amazing to me, having been in sales, that you can create a product. If people like it, you can just create more of that product and they keep mm -hmm. coming back to buy it. Right, right, right. You know, it's awesome. So it's sold out at Jay's. It's sold out at Amalgam in Philly. It's Amalgam, sold out, yeah. you know, um, Fat Jack's Comic Crypt, the oldest uh, one in uh, yeah. Comic Philly. I was lucky to get in there. That's you so know, cool. COVID man. slowed me down a lot. So I haven't yeah. been able to get back to all the stores. But um, like I, um, I mentioned before we went on, I've started doing uh, cons again. Okay. But I also got talked into doing Kickstarter. I'll, I'll yeah. let you talk for a minute. My wife's no, like, no, no. I, we honestly though, like, you I'm know, going, could you let the other guys talk? No, no, that's fine because we we always get this question all the time. It's like, oh, did I talk too much? I'm like, no. Our guests can never talk enough because they hear us, you know, us two talking all the time. So, um, just I don't to, do it, to brag. I, I do it to tell other people out there that might have an no, yeah. idea because you yeah. know, doing films. I know a lot of people who write crazy good scripts that you guys would probably love mm -hmm. what do they do they're worried about the script or they don't know right. how to do it so they stick it in a drawer right and nobody ever sees it yep and, and i don't mind batman 22 spider-man 12 <laughs> and all this yeah i see from here because i've been to pitch meetings out in, in hollywood yeah they're great movies that never got made because the studio didn't already own the ip mm -hmm. you know if they already own it they don't have to spend on it Right. I always say if George Lucas came up with Star Wars today, he probably couldn't get a deal because it's yeah. that hard to break in with something new. Yeah. You know, which right. you understand corporations, if you already own it, of course you want to farm it out as much as you can until, you know, exactly. You right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why you got to create something else first, whether it's a comic, a book, whatever. And right. that's and kind of the way it's break in. You know, if I do, I tell people when they write something, you know, who thought Legally Blonde would be a hit musical on Broadway? Yeah, right. You got to open your mind to what you could do with it. It could be mm -hmm. an anime. It could be, you know, I do I do music too. So for my yeah. movies, I did soundtracks okay. along with the movie and a song for each character and all that. Mm -hmm. So I always think of things very wide. I tell people when you're writing, you know, think what would what would I do with this if I could do everything with it? You know, right, right. You know, today the possibilities are wide open. Yeah. Um, so real quick, yeah. uh, if we can rewind like way to the beginning, but. What'd you, what'd you get your PhD in? Oh, it's management of information systems. Holy and, shit. Wow. Uh, I Dude. don't, rec I don't recommend diving into that C. Um, you know, you get your, you get your graduate, you get your MBA. I have MBA in operations and you think, Oh, I did that. I could do this. Right. It's totally different. Yeah. Not the it's same. Like yeah. Difference of swimming. I guess people swim the English channel. Yeah. And trying to swim like the Atlantic ocean. That's okay. what it's like. Cause you're out there all by yourself. You really right. are. Right, and right. They're you, you know, they throw you a bone every once in a while and say, well, you know, try this. Well, try yeah. that. You know? And it's yeah. it's a real process. But I will say this. As I was writing Vampires, I was talking to my chair because my wife's like, you got to bond with your chair because he's like your boss. He's like the guy that's going to approve it. So try and make, you know, and the, the guy that was my chair that I ended up with because my other chair quit. I didn't even know about it. 
uh, he created, and I don't know if it's the device we see on TV, but five years ago, seven years ago, whatever, he was working on something to allow you to, to uh, a program for something you could put on to tell you what your diabetes is. Oh, yeah. So wow. he was working on that. And I'm like, that guy's, that's like getting Einstein to work with me. Why, right. you know, why, right, right. why does he want to work with me? But right. I started talking to him about my comic book. And he, he was like, well, so that sounds, that actually sounds interesting. Al, send me a copy. So yeah. he's, like, he's like, look, you'll get your PhD and you're smart and all that. But I really think this comic book is something different. So, you know, it allowed me to bond with him about it. That's and I've awesome. been lucky in that way, you know. That's why I want to film something next year because I feel like if I keep yelling vampires versus the mob, right. we're going to turn on Netflix next week and it's going yeah. to be on there. Right, right, exactly. I want to make my stamp on it, you know, mm -hmm. my personal stamp before, you know, it shows up somewhere because I have a feeling awesome. I will. Um, and let's rewind one more time to the Kickstarter <laughs> projects because, like, you did this all on your own, uh, you know, the vampires project, and then. Well, and then you went to. Oh, I I do use artists, and I work yeah. with them, you know, to collaborate. So, but you not, got them all. You got it all together. You, you didn't. Did you kickstart the first book? Or no, no, okay, no. And then you went to Kickstarter for your other other projects well, too. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, twenty twenty in January, I have the the people that like the comic are kind of rabid about it, if I can say that with a straight face. <laughs> so a couple fans sat me down, um, in January last year, yeah. and they were like, "Look, we love your comic." We think you can get it to more people, but you should do a Kickstarter. And I'm like, oh, I tried an Indiegogo like three yeah. years ago, and I it was so bad. I crashed and burned so quick. I canceled it after three days. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. It was horrible. And they were like, look, there's artists that we know we can connect you with that are already well-known on Kickstarter. They do your covers and other art, and yeah. that'll help you break into a new audience. And they were right. I ended up working with Wendy Shaner. Uh, CB Zane, Steph Wilson, just to name a few. I, I can't yeah. wrap everybody off because it's yeah. like people, but right. <laughs> um, and that allowed me to break out to a new new audience. I did my first one actually right when co right when they shut us down. I was freaking out because I had scheduled it, and then you know the whole world shut down because of COVID. It was like right. March or April. I right. was like, what the hell? What am I going to do? Right. And I was like, I got to go through with it because I told people I'm going to go through whatever. I'm a very my wife is very like if you say you're going to do it, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, so she's I'm keeping careful, you in check. Right, yeah. careful. What you, I'm careful what I say around her. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but, uh, but I was committed, and everybody had done the art, so we did it, and it it funded in like a day, and then I did about six thousand, the first one, mm -hmm. and that was great. And then yep. I did another one in the fall, and that did about four, and then I was like, I need to uh, come up with a character. Uh, a lot of the big Kickstarters seem uh, female-led, female-character-oriented. Mm -hmm. So I, I, as I was doing the, the second one with vampires, and all, I have like five different comics, and they're all shared universe. Okay. So she's part of it. So I was like, well, I'll do – I always like the – I watch a lot of cheesy – well, I grew up with it. Cheesy sci-fi from the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s. Yeah, because uh, that's all we had back then. I mean, yep. and, and we were happy. Trust me, we were like, "Wow, look, there's a Spider-Man show where Spider-Man has this thing on the outside, and you can see the strings." But at least, yeah, yeah. Spider -Man, you know. Yeah. So I said, "Well, I want I like a kind of kind of kitschy '60s look, but I wanted to do uh, Harley Quinn meets Barbarella." So I came up with Bunny Goes to Space. So I did that earlier this year, and it did seventeen 
uh, on Kickstarter. And then crazy enough, the Kickstarter jammed in the middle and I had people complaining they couldn't spend their money. (laughs) I looked at my team and I'm like, what the is going on? And they're like, literally, we're trying to buy stuff and it wouldn't take money. So my team, and I give it to Lisa Malone and Malone Management because she was doing the back end. Yeah. goes, do you have an Indiegogo? I was like, yes. She goes, do you want me to throw the campaign up on the Indiegogo? So in the middle of Kickstarter, we threw it up on Indiegogo yeah. just so we could keep momentum and people started buying there. So then I funded on Indiegogo in the middle of funding on Kickstarter. <laughs> I was like, okay, I wanted to do this character, but I didn't want to do a comic book. I did an art book. And I said, I'm going to test the character before I do the book to see if people like her. Well, people right. liked her. Oh, yeah. Well, I already wrote the uh, first issue and I just sent it to the artist, Bob Harris, so awesome. to draw it for him. That's a that's a good problem to have when people are trying to throw their money at you. Well, people get really pissed when they yeah. can't find something. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. Was, this is just like you know, you get insulted when you f up when you yeah, do things. right, right. You know? And now you get insulted when you can't sell it to them quick enough. So it's it's uh, you know, Kickstarter is a very um, um, it's a weird ride. And after I did the first one, I was uncomfortable because I was like, Wendy was super experienced. Wendy Shaner like guided me. And I was like, I still feel like I don't know what I did. So I did take a course with Tyler James, mm-hmm. uh, his Kickstarter crowdfunding course after I funded. Yeah. To know what I did so I could do better. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. helped a lot. Tyler's been very good as far as like a consultant. If I have issues, you know, even he was like, well, how many comics have you sold in the stores? And I was like, I did really well. He goes, you probably should approach Diamond and try going national. Yeah. But of course, Diamond's going through their own problems. Yeah, there's a lot and of weird been, distribution stuff going on. You know, it seems like every week. Yeah, so that's every, been, but yeah. I'm still, you know, I'm partnered with the stores I'm in, you know, because I want them to succeed and me to succeed together, you know. So if I put my book in their store, I would usually run a Facebook ad. And believe it or not, I drew foot traffic to the stores to get my comic. Wow. I targeted wow. my zip code and like, like, like a 20 mile radius around that store in the actual address. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I was like, this wow. is crazy. That's so cool. That was before Kickstarter. I was like, I can't sell anything online, but I can talk people into going to the store to buy comics. Right, you can get them to go to the the comic shop. That made the stores happy, you know, and it sold me some comics. But yeah, the Kickstarters went well, and then I just did Witches of Westchester, which is this one behind me, which is a group of witches in uh, a a university that are being trained by a professor. But we've seen that a lot. So I came up with a story. I, I researched the town of Westchester. And it's almost like Springfield is with the Simpsons. There's a Westchester in like every state. So I said to myself, what if I come up with a story that links the witches throughout history to this town of Westchester through a curse or something? So the witches in 1800 Westchester, England, something happens that connects them to the witches of Westchester, New York in 1937 that connects them to the witches of Westchester today. And all the witches had to work together through you know time to solve a problem. So that's Witches of Westchester. That cool. did 19 on Kickstarter and another two or three on uh, Indiegogo. Yeah, I'm checking out the page right now. That's awesome. I mean, that's – and, and this that's is part of, it's part of the shared spin-off. universe, right? Yeah, that's a direct spinoff of Vampires. Okay. Also, have Werewolves of Brooklyn, which is a biker crew from Brooklyn that you can hire to do anything. They just happen to be werewolves. Okay. One of the guys awesome. reading it described it as Sons of Anarchy meets the Howling. Okay. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and, uh, and I also have a, a superhero that I came up with called Blackjack that I wanted to do something different. 
Um, we have a lot of capes and cows, and I love Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, and all the rest of them. Blackjack's uh, powers change without his control. Okay. So one week he can fly, and then he can't. Another week he's super strong, and then he's not. So he takes a cross-country trip to find other people like himself to figure out why he is the way he is. So it's like X-Files meets Unbreakable. That's pretty awesome. That's a really cool premise, yeah. Yeah. Well, it frees me up because I get to use real-world applications with superhero powers. Every issue, I could pick a different, you know, power. You know, you're flying, and then all of a sudden you're not flying. I mean, what's that? Yeah, Yeah, right, right. I really seem to enjoy it. Um, I, I've done three issues. I'm up, I put out the graphic novel and it's doing pretty well and people seem to like the idea. Plus I did research as he travels. I finally got out of New Jersey and Philly where I'm from. As he travels, I researched like different cities across the country. And I came up with the idea that if you, if the three of us were really trying not to be found or were being pursued by somebody, we'd have to get rid of our cell phones. We'd have to go native. So a lot of what he does is like I researched Chicago and I looked at all the homeless shelters and they all happen to be around Lake, uh, I guess that's Lake, is it Lake Erie or Lake Michigan or I, no, whatever the lake is in Chicago, I forget now, but I, I researched it and I have him going to like those homeless shelters. I kind of came up with an amalgam of those to hide out, you know, and I, that way I get to show the part of, you know, the country that the country doesn't look at that much in each comic, what people are going through. He goes to Texas around the time the hurricanes hit. So he gets hired as a contractor because they're looking for contractors and they're not too picky. So um, that's up to issue three. And I wrote five of those right out the gate. And that's with artist Ron Batchelor, who's in South Jersey, like me. So he's the one artist that literally is, you know, I can do a signing with. Yeah, like in your area. That's awesome. Everybody else is all over the place. Connor's in California um, and all the other artists that I've worked with, uh, you know, they're all spread out across the country. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, you obviously been super successful on your own. Um, well, did you did you want to do? Okay. I'm doing well. I wouldn't say successful, but I've, <laughs> I've had some breakthroughs, which were very cool. Yeah. Thank but you. my question was: uh, was your is your plan to like try to keep doing it on your own and try to publish on your own, or have you ever thought about going to like a, a publisher and trying to pitch some of these? To yeah, I did, and I I pitched. I'm not going to name names because I could. But mm-hmm. I pitched, um, and what's weird is I don't, I didn't go to these publishers because it was my idea. I have sent out to publishers when I first got started, but then I saw Tyler had a thing on, Tyler James had a thing online about, you know, a method to actually get your book in stores. And I, I learned his method and that's how I got in. But um, I pitched, uh, oh, the people who, the, the, the artists or the writers who are already with these indie independent uh, you know, publishers whose names are big enough that you guys would know. They t- they t- they read my comic and they're like, "Dude, you would be great with us." Right. That's literally the only reason I approached those places. I had <laughs> inside people who told me you would be great there, and then yeah. I went pitched, and they didn't they didn't cut a deal with me. So that's so strange. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, people yeah. people have their own business model, and they yeah, do what true. they do. You know, but literally, I had one of the marketing guys. And one of the places, I'm not going to name names, but one of the places I pitched uh, at the last C2E2 and one of the artists or writers talked me into it. And then he introduced me to their marketing guy who since has gone on to do comics. And they, and he actually pitched me to the head guy 
on the floor of C2E2. Once he saw my comic, he was like, dude, this comic, we don't have to do hardly anything with it. It's already yeah. in stores. We just have to convert it a little bit, you know, and, and fit it to our, you know, thing. Right. You know, and he said he would get back to me. And literally, I didn't. I don't get no's from people. I literally, he never got back to me, which wow. is a no, you know, wow. but that's okay. You know, yeah. I'm still yeah. growing um, in different ways. And like I said, with the Kickstarter, I did, I literally did 50K in Kickstarter in the last year. You know, I have, awesome. I, I'm shipping yeah. a thousand comics out of my, 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 you know, living room right now. My wife, yeah. like, you gotta get rid of these. We, you know, we can't live like this. So <laughs> it's, it's growing regardless. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I've been lucky and I'm not bitter. If somebody doesn't want to work with me on something, that's fine. You know, but I have, I do have a plan where I want to do at least 10 issues of every comic of every, you know, um, shared universe comic and then, and then mix them up, you know, to keep it interesting. And so far people seem to like it. So, Very cool. um, and you and you talked about uh, one other project you have coming up with with the with the you know if anybody's listening, I am open to a deal with a distributor. I'm <laughs> not I'm not against that. It just hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and you said you had one new project coming up or something soon you were working on before well, you started. I have. Um, oh, you mean the the film thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. so. So I started in film. Uh, actually, I started in comics and then went to film and yeah, back and forth. But when I write something, I always think, you know, script. This would be cool if, you know, somebody could see it. And a lot of the independent people, you know, I see like Wendy has naughty, fairy, stripper, assassins. or I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong. But I mean, when I see her comic, I go, well, yeah, I would like to turn on the TV and see that. So when I do uh, the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival, I get to talk to a lot of guys who are actively shooting films. They end up streaming mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, the formula for independent film today is pretty much like you get a B, you get a B actor that's already a known entity and connect them to that project. And that allows you to get funding, which allows you to shoot the movie. It's pretty simple. And I pitched the, I pitched our, the films I've already done out at American film market. And that was the only reason I didn't get a real deal was because I didn't have, you know, actually back then Dolph Lundgren was a B actor, but he's, you know, he's yeah. more popular. I, I stepped in an elevator out there in, in Santa Monica on the way to a pitch meeting and the entire elevator, you see how this is behind me? All of this was Dolph Lundgren movies. He's the biggest movie star outside of the U.S. That's, yeah. And oh, I was, yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. And they were like, literally, yeah, if you had a guy like that or yeah. somebody who's kind of a known, like an 80s action star, right, so, right. you break through. So I did the New Jersey Horror Con recently and there were guys and it's weird because I like it because they mix you in with film people and artists and people who make, you know, cups and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I usually end up facing uh, a film that's in competition and they run the trailer all day. So I'm literally staring at this trailer while I'm sitting at my table being hypnotized by whatever's in front of me. And sometimes it sucks and sometimes it doesn't. And I ran into these two guys and one of the guys was already into my comic who produced films. Uh, and I discussed with them that I wanted to do at least a trailer. And I looked at their film and their films on um, Hulu right now. It's called okay. the night watchman. One of them. Yep. And they actually had a filming competition at the horror con. Um, and they, they, the lead director producer guy came over and he started, he goes, dude, I collect your comic. I love it. So we, we, you know, developed a, you know, 
I love your stuff. You love my stuff mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and I told them I really want to do at least a trailer. And their movie on Hulu is great because it, mm-hmm. it has Hollywood style effects in it. Right. So it's like, you know, we're kind of spoiled now because you, you go on Disney Plus and you're watching Marvel do Hawkeye. And that's, you know, that's a that's a TV show that's a movie level TV right. show. Yeah, right. They can go large. So people are kind of mm-hmm. getting spoiled with what they can watch on TV. They don't want Mannix anymore or some old, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep, yep, so, for sure. So these guys seem to do at, at a high enough level that, that if I do a trailer, it would attract enough attention if I sent it to festivals or, or pitched it that I could do a bigger project. So that's pretty much what's on the table with them. Now, they they looked at the, the, the trailer I sent them, and they're like, you know, we want to have a Zoom meeting with you. We want to talk about something, you know. So I'm thinking they might want to pitch me on something bigger. Okay. You know? But uh-huh. the thing with me is I want to keep my IP. Right, right. Tell everybody, protect your IP. Uh-huh. I don't care who yep. you are. Yep. If, you, if you two guys come up with some idea, write it down, copyright it, or whatever you do to protect it. Because they are looking for ideas. But they'll do something similar. Actually, a friend of mine, and I'm not going to name names again, but he did – well, I will say – he did a book called Ed's, Ed's a Zombie. It's a trilogy. It's really cool. And it literally, weirdly enough, it, it, it's similar to what happened with COVID, only it's New Jersey and it's it's zombies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's yeah. a guy who actually works for the government who knows protocols. And he used yeah. the government protocols for right. his zombie book. And then, yeah. you know, and he was literally working with Pitch and Netflix. And he found out that part of his story was that he – had through some agents or weird stuff that he did probably about five years ago, ended up in an Amazon TV series. Oh man. Right. That's, Literally. That's like, yeah. He took the guts of his idea and jammed it into this other thing. Wow. And he found a connection through his agent, their agent. Yeah. Wow. Agent. Wow. That's crazy. So that's the type of stuff we're up against. I mean, you have mm-hmm. a good idea and then it can be just, the guts can be yanked out. of it. Right. You don't want to spread it too much. About it. Do I, do I think there'll be a vampires versus, uh, mob movie of course there will be eventually yeah. right right um, exactly yeah but i don't want to be exactly like mine right that's okay. hurtful to me so i, I yeah. have i tell everybody protect you know your ideas because they're very they're, they are valuable mm. you know when jack sure. kirby and stan lee came up with black panther it was very futuristic it was 1966 it was against the grain but i mean look at that movie right things yeah. caught up with their ideas their ideas oh, were yeah. so far ahead right right you know so yeah, that's, that's true. That's and you true. don't know. You know, nobody knew when you did films back in the day that it would convert to, you know, VHS tapes that would convert to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of right, right. Yeah. That's how right. old I am. I've seen it all. I actually yeah. was in my mom's place uh, the other day because she's downsizing. And we had a, a front loading VCR from 1973, yep. a top loading. The top loading. We also yeah. had uh, the Odyssey system, which was the first Pong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm wow. pulling that out of my mom's house. I'm like, I can't wow. believe, you know, how far we've come. That's awesome. But, um, but yeah, just whatever you come up with, try and hang on to it as long as you can. I know people want to cut a deal and make money, but you got to think, you know, what's the, what could this be? It could mm-hmm. be huge. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Awesome. Yeah, um, who, who would think yeah. that like Modoc's going to be in a movie soon, you know? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? You know? you know, but when they bought when when Disney bought Marvel, they, you know the thing I forget was it Eisner that was in. He said they have five hundred different characters and we want to farm every one. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. smart about it. He doesn't. They didn't do it, you know, half assed. If I can say, right. it. 
Yeah. They really, really tried to get the essence of the character. No, for sure they did. Whatever yeah, they the built essence it up. Is. And that's what mm -hmm. you have to remember. And I watched a lot of bad superhero movies before, we'll say Blade and X-Men and Spider-Man, mm -hmm. the first yeah. three. Right. And I saw a ton of bad movies, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, they're horrible, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're good ideas. Right. And eventually. Right. Know, they took them more right. seriously and invested a lot of money into them. Um. Al, man, this is this has been so much fun. Uh, and you're talking about all your projects and your books. I mean, is there anywhere besides these, those local shops people can pick up your your projects you're working on? Those yeah, books? when I did Indiegogo, um, they allow you to have an in-demand store after the, okay. as long as it funds. Yep. I set up an in-demand store for uh, Bunny Goes to Space on Indiegogo. Okay. And then I did it again with Witches of Westchester. And I did put my shared universe on there. Uh, as a reward so you can actually get the whole shared universe i'm actually shipping them out some of them out now which i guess would be seven issues of vampires three issues of blackjack one issue of, of werewolves and also the new the first issue of which is a westchester awesome so um i saw some of your stuffs on comiXology too or is that not up to date okay i put the first i think i put the first two issues of vampires on comiXology Blackjack's on there, and I actually went. I actually did a graphic novel of Jose, who is Jose Luck. Uh, that's on there. It's the whole movie okay. is a graphic. Yep. I did it Sin City style, so it looks Frank oh, Millerish. Awesome. It's, it's black and white, and that Very was really cool. the first thing I put on Comicsology. But awesome. um, so mostly just the Indiegogo. Um, Chris will have a link for that, but yeah, or you can contact me on Instagram, Vampires of NJ, and I'll ship it to you. I mean, now that I'm doing Kickstarters. It's like shipping to Australia and Switzerland and all this. Right, right. I'll certainly be happy to ship to anybody. Just get a hold of you. Well, I want to get an issue if it's not, you know, near them or they don't have the ability. Okay. It's not a problem. Awesome. Al, thanks so much, man. Uh, we'd love to have you back on. If you got another Kickstarter going or something, show that off. And Yeah, Vampires uh, yeah. 8 should be out um, in, I'd say, January. So, but I do have Werewolves of Brooklyn, Werewolves of Brooklyn number two is being done. Uh, Bunny's being done. So I'm, I'm trying to do every quarter to put out like one or two issues of each comic. Okay. Very awesome. nice. Anytime you guys want to talk, I'll, I'll be happy to come on. Yeah. Thanks again, man. Yes. Yeah, so everybody out there, I'll have those links in the show notes down below. So make sure to check all of Al's work out. And Al, thanks so much for being on, man. Uh, we really time, appreciate that. It's it's been interesting because, like I said, you know, I did the first comic just to do it, and then it started selling, and I'm like, "Oh, great, that's a thing." Mm -hmm. And then I had to kind of learn, you know. But the indie community, for the most part, I know there's been some bickering lately with different. Yeah, people, yeah. The indie community, for the most part, is is very helpful. I've been I work with a lot of different artists that have been like, "Give me information." I'm certainly happy if somebody's new and they're trying to figure out what they want to do to tell them what I did. I don't know if it'll work for you, but I can say what didn't work for me, which I find is more helpful than what works half the time. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for the opportunity to, to talk, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. And we're back. We're back. So please check out all his cool stuff, including Vampires in New Jersey on Comixology. It's all right there. So it's, it's three different titles right there. Um, all right, so let's jump into the comic book news. DC has made Aquaman 
Oh, Aquaman official. Starting in February 2022, Aquaman will be written by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas with art by Sammy Bassery. The series will team up Arthur Curry with Jackson Hydeus. It's supposed to be Hydes. I miss Hydes. Okay. I don't know because I'm not reading Aquaman, so I'm confused as hell right now. Uh, They investigate a conspiracy against Atlantis and the surface world. It's all fake news. Um, Oh, it's Jackson Hyde as they investigate. So, yeah, it's just two words got to come together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hydeus. Hyde as. So, you're an Aquaman fan. You're reading all the stuff. What do you think? I'm in. I mean, it's Aquaman. Yeah. I'm just... I'm enjoying Aquaman becoming. I like Jackson Hyde as a character. Um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying that Black Mana series, and then we'll talk about um, Deep Threat at the end of the show. But I'm enjoying all the Aquaman stuff, and I want to see Curry come back. Like, yeah, you know, we don't have a Curry thing, so for him to team up with Jackson and do something would be cool. I'm down for mm-hmm. it. Okay, cool. Uh, Marvel has announced a new What If comic series. Oh wow, very. Uh... <laughs> Very surprising. Wow, didn't see that one coming. Uh, yeah, this comic will be What If Miles Morales. Each issue will feature a different creative team and put Miles in the role of a different Marvel hero. Uh, we know two of the issues will be Miles as Captain America and Miles as Wolverine. So, pretty cool. I don't know why they're sticking with just Miles Morales. Maybe he's going to make an appearance in a movie. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, at, you know, we've, we've talked to... Uh, to the big editor in chief over there in Marvel, and he said he'd be stupid not to do these things, right? Yeah, and you know they got the ongoing Miles book; they always have. Uh-huh. I, yeah, that I was confused why Miles as well, other than mm-hmm. the fact that he's just a great character and he's very popular. But fine. I <laughs> the part I found really funny about this though is the Miles's cap thing. So yeah. There was always a joke when Bucky took over his cap that his suit looked like the Puerto Rican flag. So okay. he was jokingly known as Captain Puerto Rico. Um, and when you look at the Miles as Cap, it's just the Bucky suit. And Miles is um, half Puerto Rican in the comics. Okay. So I just, I, I like that. I don't know if this is a nod to like the joke from the early internet days. Mm-hmm. Probably, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it just made me smile when I saw it. And I was like, that's the Bucky suit. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it, and it ties into the character being Puerto Rican. Yeah. So that's funny. But uh, yeah, I'm down for this. Don't more what if? Why not? Yeah. Um, more what if, more miles. Right in my wheelhouse. Yep. They should just call him Marvel. Why not? <laughs> Why would you not pick this up? <laughs> DC, I'm here. Call me, man. DC's why not? <laughs> why not? Why? Uh, why? I don't know. They'll figure out the grammar. Speaking um, of which, DC, why? Like, can we get more tales from the multiverse or not multiverse? Tales from the dark multiverse? Like, yeah, what, that doesn't need to stop. Why not? Yeah, you know? just because Scott's gone doesn't mean you need to stop doing it. Yeah, come on. Um. Recently, it was announced that IDW will no longer publish Marvel and Star Wars all-ages comics after 2021. Uh, we now know that Dark Horse is stepping in for the Star Wars line like they used to do, right? For a while. They used to do all the Star Wars stuff. Yes. Yeah. Starting in 2022, Dark Horse will be publishing new all-ages comics set in the Star Wars universe. Interesting that the property kind of bounces around. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing this. Um, mm. It. It's been a weird couple months, like to get really insider on it. Yeah, we've been following. IDW has signed on with uh, 
Penguin House yep. and Marvel to distribute their books outside of Diamond. So everybody was like, well, maybe IDW is trying to get something together to keep doing these all ages book. And then this happens. Yeah. And I don't exactly know why. Maybe there's just a better Dark Horse is like, we can do it for cheaper. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but it's cool to see Dark Horse doing Star Wars again. Because for yeah. my entire life up until like, what, five, six years ago, whenever that happened. Yep. It's been Dark yep. Horse on the cover of my book. So Right. So... Which is interesting because isn't Dark Horse part of DC? I don't believe no, they're no? independent. I thought they. Oh, okay. I thought they owned them for a while. Maybe I was wrong. Um, either way, it's just like why? Why wouldn't Marvel do these? You know, I, I don't know either. It, it, Marvel's weird with like the the all ages and why YA stuff because mm-hmm. DC does DC doesn't do much for all ages, but they do a ton of. Actually, they do do all ages stuff. Yeah, they also do a ton of YA stuff. Like they're all over the place doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Where Marvel seems to like want to stick down their lane, and then yep. like if you want to do that extra stuff, like we'll just let them do it. Mm. And who knows why? But there's got to be a reason. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to maybe look into it someday. All the legality behind it. It'd be interesting. I'll have to, yeah, we'll have to look it up one of these days. Um. All right, things I'm looking up now are the comics I read this week. Uh, Suicide Squad number nine. Um, if you're not reading Suicide Squad, you're stupid. Uh, That's me, what, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so this is... Um, I don't know when the story arc's going to end, but Robbie Thompson writing it, uh, Eduardo Pensica on the art, really good stuff. Um. Basically, there's, you know, two Suicide Squad now. Uh, um, Colonel Flagg put his own Suicide Squad together. And then Amanda Waller still has her Suicide Squad. Um, basically, they, I think they're they're in space right now. Um, I don't know how they, uh, you know, they're, they're basically, I think they get into a fight with each other. Um, and when they're in space, they run into a green lantern, but also they run into the Thanagarians. So that's kind of how it ends with like, you know, the Hawkeye people, uh, fighting, shooting at them while they're in their ship and blow their ship up while they're in space. So that's kind of where it leaves off. This is a great series. You get a lot of cool characters, um, that you normally wouldn't see in mainstream books. Uh, Superman, son of Kal-El, Number five. Wow, it's been five issues already. Um, this was the controversial issue because Superman uh, kisses another guy. This is where he comes out as bisexual, so not a big How deal there. Dare um, I know, right? Uh, all that matters is the story's still good. Yes, the story's still good. Tom Taylor's still killing it. Um, basically, you know, Superboy is trying to do all everything at once, and then realizes, oh man. Uh, I actually get exhausted. <laughs> um, even though, you know, Superman might be your name, but you still have to rest after a while. So that's kind of like, he's trying to figure out a, a way to balance helping everybody in the world, but also he needs to rest at some point. Uh, nice house on the lake. Um, issue six. This is the James Tinian horror book. Basically we get an overview of like the, the first friend of this alien that trapped everybody in this cabin um, if you don't know the premise, he's like ending the world and befriended these people. And now he puts them in a cabin to be observed by the alien race to be like, this is a reason you should save humanity because this, these are the the people that I 
or friends with. So um, they kind of figure out the whole backstory. And then I think everything gets reset, like their minds get wiped and they're back in the cabin, just like acting like they're camping. So I don't know where it's going to go from there um, or if it's just going to end. Yeah, what's uh, depressing is now they're going to take a hiatus. Yeah, right. Exactly. So they like wipe the slate clean. They're like, okay, now we're just camping. Uh, Shang-Chi ended the story arc, the Shang-Chi number six, where he versus the Marvel Universe. He fights Thor in this issue, um, and he has a lightning sword when he does it. It's pretty badass, but you find out the lightning sword is actually the cosmic cube. That's why it's so powerful and holding and pretty much melts Mjolnir with it. Um it was a great fight scene, but then we find out that Shang-Chi never knew he had the Cosmic Cube in his possession. He thought his brother had given it over to someone. Um, his brother didn't think that the Avengers should have it, so then Shang-Chi gives up his brother and the Cosmic Cube. But they still don't kind of trust him. Uh, the next, I love this book. Um, and now the next series is going to go into where his mother came from, because his mother has been trapped in the Phantom Zone for... Or, is that what they call it in Marvel? Uh, negative zone. Negative zone. Sorry. Um, she's been trapped there and made friends with these weird, like, uh, I, I might've talked about this, but these weird, like alien cockroaches that live there. Um, and so it's really creepy because after everything she says, she makes a little like clicking noise, like a cockroach, um, because that's all she had to talk to while she was there. It's really, it's really creepy. Um, so I'm curious to see where they're going to go with that. She's definitely not right in the head. Uh, She's definitely pretty messed up, and I don't think it's good. I think it's. I think she's pretty evil too. We're gonna find out. Uh, Dark Ages number three. Speaking of Tom Taylor, um, did you read this one? I did. So the, I mean, this one focuses on Johnny Storm a little bit. You can almost, <laughs> you can almost tell when they're gonna kill a character off when they start off like focusing on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the team, the team kind of finds out that what that all the all the biggest minds in the Marvel universe are working for Apocalypse. Not Apo- is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have Tony Stark. You have uh, uh, Mister Fantastic. Yeah. So in the last issue, Tony got uh, kidnapped. Captured. Yep. So they're trying to find him, and they send Quicksilver over to. Yeah, figure out what's going on. That's when they realize like Reed Richards is alive, and yep. all these other people are working for him. And they send Quicksilver back possessed, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and then he ends up stabbing Johnny Storm through the heart, and then he dies. Um, and what Sue finds out is that her husband is still alive and her son. Yeah, so she's pissed and she's ready to fight some people. Um, and then in the end, we find out that Venom and Carnage have like morphed together. Is yeah, that a thing? I was, I was trying to figure that out because at first I'm like, "That's Miles," because um, the red and black. Yeah. And then he said them, so I wasn't sure if it was like Carnage and Venom. I don't know what it is, but it's yeah. some symbiote together. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have a host. So my feeling is that it's Venom and Miles. Oh, okay. Okay. But they don't really. They don't really tell you. They just kind of leave it on a cliffhanger. Okay. Um, Army of Darkness, 1979, number three. This book's fun. Ash is fighting uh, gangs in New York and demons at the same time. Um, not much more than that. but uh, DC Vampires, number two. Another big kill happens in this issue. Um, Green, Green Lantern is going around murking people. 
Uh, he has this whole conversation with Barry Allen, and then he kills him. <laughs> uh, snaps his neck. But he, he pretty much tells him, if you were a vampire dude, you wouldn't leave any food for us because of his metabolism. I love the comic book science there. Yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome. It, that that scene was just gut-wrenching. Like, yeah. Him being yeah. like, I tried fighting for you. I tried. Yeah, and he's like, I tried. Oh. Yeah. And then, and then Batman and the Bat family are all trying to piece together you know, the big plan while some DC heroes have figured it out already. So you're, you see like a resistance starting to form. This book's awesome. And I love, uh, they set up the, all the vampires to be kind of traditional vampires because, right. uh, when Bruce gets all the bat family together, he like does all the typical vampires other than yeah. stabbing them with a spike. Right, right. Um, but like all their coffees made with holy water. Yeah. Um, they have to hold a cross. They're sitting in yep. sunlight, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's that great moment where Alfred comes out and goes, so was it an oversight that you didn't make me drink any of the holy water? Yeah. And he's like, no, I had somebody bless the boiler. So you would have burned <laughs> alive in your tub. You yeah. In your tub when you took your bath. <laughs> I was uh, like, that fucking was Batman. Cool. Yeah. Of course he thought of it. Uh, Batman reptilian. This is the <laughs> final issue. Um, it was okay. It kind of fell off at the end for me. Um, yeah, I so I haven't read this issue yet, but yeah, the last issue was kind of tough to get through. I'm not. Yeah, gonna this was this is kind of tough. And then, so I haven't gotten to Night of the Ghoul. There's a couple other issues like the Deathstroke issue I got to read. Uh, Radiant Black, number eleven. Um, yeah. So this is the uh, this is the issue where we uh, we get Nate back, hopefully. Um, the main character so he's like you know his friend is is in this other dimension uh, where he goes through all these crazy colors and the art is fantastic um, but he's basically like trying to find the truth and there's something else they say the truth and the I don't know something else but you know basically he finds Nathan at the end and they're like heading towards the light saying that he's hopefully going to come out of the coma Um clear issue two this is the scott snyder francis manipal book um are you reading this one so i actually read clear one and two this week oh okay did you like it i really really liked it um yeah the first issue sets up like this noir almost like blade runner-esque future yep exactly i dug it so Mm -hmm. um yeah and the second one he's kind of investigating where his ex-wife went and he stumbles upon this huge compound of all these like rebellion people. Uh, so I don't know how he's going to get himself out of there. Uh, Blue F- Flame number five. This book is really good. Um, at the end, we find out that you know he's talking to an old friend and he's talking to this alien that's gonna that's putting him on trial, and uh, they're both kind of like betraying him, like you know, recording him when he doesn't know like giving the truth about humanity and stuff that we, you know, we, well, how he really feels instead of being on trial. Um, and those are the books I had this week. Still, still a few I haven't gotten to yet, but um, I read quite a bit. So yeah, same here. Um, I will say just uh comiXology at a black Friday sale. Oh damn. I missed that. And I picked up a few things. Uh, I haven't read them yet, but I picked up uh, Once in Future, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Oh, those are good. Yep. And then That Texas Blood, Volume 1. 
And because you loved it so much, uh, Birthright Volume 1. Oh, you're starting it, huh? So I'm going to give that a shot. But, dude, like all that, all that, and um, I bought the Hawkeye run that Fraction Mm -hmm. did that the show is based on. And I think it cost me less than 20 bucks. That's awesome. I think a lot of them are still on sale right now. Um, Oh, okay. As of this recording, everybody. But tomorrow is Cyber Monday, so maybe there's new ones. I don't know. Um, for what I read, other than what we already talked about, I also read Wonder Woman Evolution number one. Okay. This was the Stephanie Phillips Wonder Woman book. Oh, yeah. Not the best start. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of like she starts by having this whole monologue about like what evolution is and why it's important and blah, blah, blah. And then she fights one of these villains who's evolved into something better and she beats her obviously. And then there's like the, the best part of the book was this conversation she has with uh, Superman on top of Mount Everest. Okay. And they're just talking about the fact that like they're basically gods. <laughs> and that's when she's like, she realizes she has to do something else and kind of flies away. And that's where it ends. So it's Stephanie. So I'll give it one more issue, but I wasn't thrilled with that first issue to be honest. Okay. Um, Task Force Z number two. <laughs> um, so I still have to read that. Task Force Z is sent off, and they so it picks up where last issue left off, and obviously they get through it, and they go back, and then we learn that the the Lazarus pills can actually like regenerate body parts and everything. Oh, that okay. As long as somebody still has their head and brain, they can regenerate their whole body. Okay. Um. And then they go on this mission where they have to find a new member for the team and they run into the Cobra cult who's reforming for like the first time forever. Okay. Um, whole battle. And then they have to find this new uh, person and where they find them is in a coffin. Cause obviously it's task force Z right. and they revive them and it ends up being dead shot. Oh, that's awesome. And it ends with Deadshot shooting Red uh, Hood in the chest. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, like that issue better than the first issue. So yeah. I really like the series. Primordial number three. Um, this book's a real slow burn, but I get the feeling it's going to punch you in the gut sooner or later. Uh, we've got kind of the lead character and this woman from the issue, uh, second issue. And they've met up and they're kind of talking about the whole conspiracy behind everything. And they end up going away because the KGB finds them and they have to go somewhere to find this old Nazi um, science base to open it up and try to see if they can tap into whatever's going on up in space with the chimp and the dog. And then on the other side, we have the chimp and the dog and they're doing their thing and they seem to be morphing reality in ways because they're able to like bring up the earth and then flatten it and do all this weird shit with it. So obviously they've gained some sort of power beyond dimensions. And that's why I think this is going to really punch punch us in the gut. Cause (laughs) at some point that has to come to a turn. Um, Really good. Uh, Andrew Sortino's art is just out of this world. Like he's doing some of the best work of his life between this and Batman and the imposter. Aquaman green arrow, deep threat number two. (laughs) So the two are, on Oliver's, if you remember the first issue, they've swapped bodies. Okay. So 
the two are on Oliver's jet and they're flying. Somebody attacks them. And there's a whole fight sequence where they have to help each other with their powers. Well, Arthur has to help Oliver with Arthur's powers. And then we find out that basically they both have each other's memories, but their old memories are kind of fading. So that's how they get away with Arthur being able to use the bow with such skill. Um, and then they land on this uh, island in the middle of nowhere, which I get the feeling is going to be Green Arrow's island where he you know discovers himself. And that's kind of where it ends. But it does introduce a big villain. I'm not familiar with the character, so I don't know if it's somebody new or not. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Okay. And then Robin and Batman number one. Um, it was okay. I wasn't yeah. on it. I'm not a huge Robin fan, so I didn't read it. Yeah. So that's everything I read, Mike. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? Well, you can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, and they can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also, FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, if you are listening, to give us the five-star review on the pod, cut your your choice. If you're watching, like, subscribe, share, and comment down below. And if you want to go the extra mile, Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. 